Welcome to Super Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today we have with us Luke Bati. Luke is a behavioral scientist and innovation expert who has helped teams at Nike, Intel, McDonald's, and more to use cutting-edge problem-solving frameworks and collaboration techniques to overcome existential threats and seize step change opportunities welcome luke great to meet you thanks for having me on the show oh it's my pleasure my friend thanks for taking the time to come on our show today grateful to have you i read that bio it sounds very intriguing and well needed especially nowadays so i'm looking forward to speaking to you about it yeah, change is the only constant, as they say. Yeah, some skills and some tools to help you navigate that. Our clients are definitely finding useful. Yeah, change is so necessary, right? But so many people find it uncomfortable to even speak about or to be even around it. Even in my world, for example, like it's areas that could tr help them tremendously, but they're just not open to it, right? Are, do you, would you like to talk about that a little bit, the psych psychology of it? Yeah, I think, I think there's a couple of things. So my personal mindset on these things, a lot of friends call me the opportunist optimistic, and I like to see things as opportunities when they come up. And so when COVID kicked in a couple of years back, all of our business at that time was consulting projects. We were in the room with clients, helping them problem solve. And we had to obviously switch everything into remote in the same way every other business did. But our attitude was, how do we make this an amazing experience? What are the things we could do remotely that perhaps we couldn't do in person? And so we invented in, invested in cameras, the lighting, the technology, and started to think about our work as a broadcast, right? It becomes a production, a show. And as a result, a lot of the clients we were working with ended up buying a lot more from us because we just leaned into that shift. And rather than being another one of their partners that was apologizing for not being a known person, how it wasn't as good. We said, maybe what are the things you can do that you couldn't do else? If you went back to the turn of the century and asked someone, could you recreate the magic of theater virtually? They'd say it's not possible. And yet I'd much rather binge watch a Netflix series than go to the theater personally. And so I think that everything that's happening with remote is really the same kind of transition that there'll be new formats, new models, new ways of doing things that you couldn't do in person. And we're just interested to see what those things are. And the same thing's happening now with this GPT technology, where we're looking at it and going, what does it mean for us? What are the opportunities it could create? And how do we lean into it? And we're not afraid to redesign our own business. We're small enough to be able to do that to, to see what's possible. If it can enrich our impact, if it can make our kind of team's lives better or our client experience better, then we'll jump at it. So we're fairly experimental in that perspective. So you actually go in and help companies and individuals, I assume. Yeah, I mean, it's for us, the real satisfaction is seeing that shift in behavior at the individual level in our clients' businesses. That's the satisfying thing, seeing them get promoted, seeing them re-energized about their work. But ultimately, we're tasked with coming in and helping a client 
navigate some kind of change, which might be driving top or bottom level growth. It might be a new operating model. It might be some kind of disruptive event that they need to respond to. And our job is to bring in almost like the operating system for a client's team to get from A to B, right? Usually when we've got these complex challenges, most people get afraid, they get stressed, they're unsure of how to approach it because it's new. And so they end up sticking in the day-to-day and the problem just gets bigger and bigger until suddenly they need to act. And what we do is come in and help teams get out of the weed to the day-to-day, carve out a small bit of time for them to focus on the important, not urgent stuff, and then give them a process and some coaching and guidance to help them move through a really structured process to start building some evidence about what do they need to do differently in order to win in that environment. And uh, so, yeah, so it's the individual transformation that's personally most satisfying, but ultimately it's about the kind of the client being able to continue growing and being successful as a business. So when you work with individual, what percentage would you say is mindset and what percentage would be, you would say is strategy? I'd say it's neither. I'd actually say it's 90% behavior. And so my background is a behavioral scientist. So I'm really passionate about why people do the things they do, the things that influence them. And probably one of the biggest findings from behavioral science over the last 10, 15 years is that context matters. So typically we will infer our mindset. We will infer our attitudes based on our actions. And so if you can Mm. just get somebody doing something differently to start with, the mindset and the perspective and attitudes will quickly follow along because people like to be self-consistent, right? If I'm doing this, Mm. it must be because I think in this certain way or I believe this certain thing. And so our job is really to come in in an example of an innovation process where someone's going to develop a new product It's get in there, take them through the steps that we know work and really help them live that process rather than spending all their time worrying and thinking about it. Mm -hmm. I think mindset's important, but I think getting people started and just getting them to take action is like 90% of the challenge. Thereafter, once they can start seeing some positive feedback from what they're doing, whether that's in results or a recognition, then the desire to keep doing that thing is, is 10x on when they start. But wouldn't, would you agree that the behavior, the starting point of behavior is mind? Not necessarily. No, no, I'd say that's a pretty, it's a fairly traditional view of what drives behavior, but there's lots of examples where people, people act in a way that they then self justify. And so I'll take a great example of a, uh, You would imagine going into a McDonald's, right? That you go in there and you've got your fixed order and you know exactly what you're having and that's what you're going for. And that you probably wouldn't be shaken from that. And yet everything we know is that actually people's decisions in large part in that environment, as an example, are based on the way, the sequence of items on a menu, the way that they present different branding to you as you arrive and all of those things you can play with and will change what people order. And so even though people believe they have these fixed mindsets, fixed beliefs. In truth, people are constantly inferring what they want to do based on the environment they're in. And so our job is to come into a client and look at what are the things that we can structure in the environment that is most likely to get the behaviors that they want. And there's a behavior change formula that we use for that. And that's for anything that I want to get you to do. There's three things that have got to be in place. You've got to have the capability for that thing, which is your skills, if you like. There's got to be opportunity. So you've got to have the systems, process, resources, whatever you need, and then the peer support. 
And then the final piece is motivation. You've got to know why you're doing it, what's in it for you, and you need feedback. And as long as, so what we do is basically take any business challenge look at it through that behavioral science lens and work out, great, what are the things that are helping move us towards our goal right now? But what's missing and what could we change? And so by tinkering with that environment that the behavior happens within, you're more likely to get the outcomes you want, whether that's changes in sales performance, whether it's changes in employees taking part in innovation, whether it's people having more courageous conversations, all of these things, you can shift context to drive outcomes. And I would start there before trying to shift mindsets because it takes a religious conversion to change somebody's beliefs. But funnily enough, you can change their environment and, and things will change a lot faster. Yeah. Maybe you could even say that mindset and behavior is one, no? Because if they're in an environment, if they're in McDonald's, for example, their environment that they're taking in, they're taking it in through the senses, into their mind, comprehending it, and then they behave. Yeah. And you're a scientist, right? So I want to learn about this for the audience, for us, for everyone. Right. So ho hopefully I'm not asking any strong questions, but just no, that's great. That yeah, part. Yeah. yeah, there's two ways of thinking about it. Yeah. So you have reflective motivation. This is like when you're planning to do something, okay? So this is one where, you know, exactly what we've just been talking about, these ideas of attitudes, goals, beliefs, all shape things. But then you have automatic motivation. And these are the non-conscious influences of your behavior. That you, yeah, yeah. So we prefer the term non-conscious and subconscious, but for the <laughs> yeah, intent, Different industries, different terminologies, yeah, it got it. it yeah, yeah. But the idea here is that, I'll give you a great example. In a restaurant environment, there have been experiments where they've changed the weight of cutlery. And what they've found is that the heavier they make the cutlery, when they ask people to rate the quality of the food afterwards, the heavier the cutlery, the higher the quality of food rating, even though the food's exactly the same. Similarly, when you give people beer in a green bottle, they'll probably describe the flavor as being citrusy or fruity. You give them the same beer in a brown bottle and they'll describe it as having deep notes to it. So what's happening here isn't conscious, right? This is not about beliefs or attitudes. These are just these are, term, yes. yeah, these are yeah. signals that we're taking yeah. from the environment yeah. that prime us and they cue us to look at the world in a certain way. And then we move through that. So it's much more intuitive. Yeah. And that's why beliefs make, don't get me wrong, of course they have a role and they have an influence, yes. but there are all these other things, right? Social norms, right? I want to be part of the group. So if I feel like everybody is doing something in a certain way, I might not even think about that but I'm going to want to conform at some level because I don't want to be excluded. I don't want to be ostracized, right? Messenger effects. This is the idea that if I perceive you as somebody like me or in higher authority than me, I'm going to put more weight on what you asked me to do than somebody else. But mm -hmm. it's not conscious. It's just these are patterns of influences on behavior. And yeah. so the fun thing then is looking at any behavior and any strategy is really about behavior, right? We want customers to do something they're not doing now. We want employees to stop or start doing something they're not doing now. And you can use this framework, this combi it's called, to look at, great, what's working in our favor and potentially what's missing. And it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. You know, it sounds like a fun. I love this stuff, by the way. This is what, this is, ex this is the stuff that changed my life and I had no visibility of it, you know, no background in it. I was just, 
I want to use the terms that we use, but I was unconscious in a way when I was taking actions, right? I was just going about because everybody else was going about it. Yeah. And when yeah. I realized about the conscious mind, the subconscious mind, I know the terminology is different, but yeah, I yeah. knew the automatic is coming from the area that is unconscious, the subconscious. And that automatic behavior has a lot to do with your results, perceptions, behaviors, right? When you, when I started learning that you can actually go in there and make changes and change your world, it's like, whoa, yeah. and I haven't stopped since. So I absolutely yeah. love this. And it's the more you start behaving in a certain way, the less conscious it becomes, right? So if you, yeah. take, you, you take driving, you don't need to no. think about driving. No. I even find this now. I'm reading my kids' stories at night, and I'll find I'm actually <laughs> thinking of something else whilst I'm, I don't even know how I'm doing it, whilst I'm reading. That's because, oh, I've obviously read these stories about a thousand times, but it's that whole once it becomes really natural and autopilot, you've done it enough, you just don't need consciousness anymore because your body's got the patterns to run it. And that's, yeah. we're talking about things like priming. That's what we're really doing is how do you set the scene for these patterns to activate? So we've done stuff, for example, in a fast food brand where they had this issue where when customers would leave the store, they'd go to the bathroom, wouldn't be in a good condition. And as a result, their memory was tainted of the experience, right? And it was actually affecting the number of customers coming to their doors. We noticed this. We introduced the smell of citrus into the bathrooms, like a, one of those timed air freshener things. And what it, what it did was it triggered all of these memories and routines about cleanliness, right? About washing your hands and doing everything else. And just by introducing that smell, people were more considerate in the bathrooms. Mm. They didn't need as cleaning as often. And as a result, people's experience, their memory of their experience is better because the bathroom wasn't this kind of disgusting end to an otherwise good experience. Yeah. All of these things, yeah, whether you call it subconscious, it doesn't really matter, but it's, yeah. it, the point's exactly the same. It's, of course. They really do have an impact. Yeah, and I have so much respect for companies and individuals that are working with other people around this area. You know, what you're doing, the impact it makes on not just that one person, but the person, because everything's connected, right? We're all dealing with each other. So when you're working with that individual, what you do with that is so precious because when you make that person in a way that they take more control, like they have more control, that kind of seeps into everyone else in their life, like mm. their relationships, their you know, happiness, how what they do in their career, what they do in their business, how they Definitely. live. The journey is supposed to be a happy one, right? We're here. We're, we should be grateful that we have this opportunity to be alive, right? 100%. Yeah. And our, so our, whole, for what you do. our whole purpose in the business is this concept that we believe is that when you leave work proud, you arrive home happy. And it's this idea of when you get home and you've had a tough day, but you've achieved something that's in, you, and you've impressed yourself in that. I believe I get home anyway. I'm a better dad. I'm a better husband because I'm coming home with energy, right? I'm not coming home with an energy deficit. And so all our work, really what we're trying to do is create the empower teams with the guidance and structure and support they need to make audacious ideas happen. And so we do a whole bunch of stuff to make that happen. But we want those clients to come away from our work and it'd be a career highlight. And I think we do a good job of that. And that's why we work a lot now with private equity businesses because our work's very measurable in that respect. But for me, it's the human impact that's the, that's yeah. the exciting part. That's the very much, yeah, it is exciting. So Luke, can you share with us what your innermost superpower is that got you to this point in life? Ooh, I can tell you a moment 
actually that might be better if that's okay. Yeah, so please. I had, uh, before I started the business, I had this mental rule of thumb, which was get promoted as fast as possible, earn as much as possible, take as much responsibility. And what I found over the first 10 years of my career was I got to a point where I was on the board of a previous employer and I realized I'd become completely disconnected from the work that gave me energy. And I, frankly, I hated the day to day. It was, it was really affecting me from a well-being perspective and long story short, Many people I had to suffer from this. Hey, it's, that's just what you do, right? Get promoted, yeah. move up. That's what you yeah, do. But with no going, real you know, idea of where you're headed, no concept, yeah. even no, what it is you're aiming you for. Just, just push. It's just you know? like what you do. And yeah. And what I found was that the reality of my day to day then just gave me no energy. So I'm coming home and I'm a crappy husband and not a great dad because yeah. I'm, I'm drained. I'm exhausted. I got nothing left to give. And I don't want that. I don't want to be the guy that my, my mm -hmm. daughter and my son see complaining about their work. I don't think that's a yeah. good model to be. And so I decided to step down from the board and my friends and the people I work with kind of thought it was career suicide. Let me tell you, it's the best moves that I've ever made because it forced me to answer a really simple but powerful question, which is, what do you want a day to look like? What do you want to be doing? Are you selling? Are you mm -hmm. making things? Are you with people? Are you, are you alone? Are you fixing? What is it? What are the activities in the day that actually really bring you energy? And I believe now your job in your career is to work out how to get paid as much as possible, doing as much of that stuff as you can. And the money may be less important for some people or other, but I think this idea of filling your day with the work that naturally energizes you means that yeah. you're going to be able to bring way more of yourself into your work. And, and I think that comes across with your customers and with your team because you're there and you're fired up and you've got, you're bringing everything rather than fighting uphill to make stuff happen. And hey, it's not perfect. You can't fill 100% yeah. of your day with that stuff. But it made me really realize the thing I loved was working with clients, fixing things and solving problems. And so I had the chance then to reimagine my skill set. I got a lot into design thinking and innovation method and behavior change. And then I had a chance to create this joint venture with my previous employer, which is Sprint Valley. We bought them out about 18 months ago, something like that. And the last five years, we've just had this incredible time starting a business that I just, I look forward to coming to every day. And I get to work with inspiring people on interesting projects and Everybody gets paid what they deserve. And, and so now that ethos really of focus on really interesting problems, bring together inspiring people and make sure that return on investment for everybody, client included, and our team is really healthy for all. That's our guiding light. So it's not so much a superpower, but probably just a moment in my journey that flicked a big switch, flicked a really big yeah. switch. And that's a big realization. I can relate to that, Luke, because I have something similar I was, that was pushing and I just said, if this is what it's about, man, this is, this life is pretty shitty. <laughs> like it was, yeah, it felt, sure. it didn't feel like it, that in people, that in people. And you, when you meet with people and you see that and, you know, you want to help so badly, but that is that realization is that there, this can't be it. This is not feeling good. My energy's not in alignment. Something is off. Absolutely. And I'm Definitely. glad that you had that call. And that's why when I say the most satisfying thing for me in our work is seeing the client yes. transmission, seeing them reconnect with what brings them energy in their work. It's that. It's like I see, I've not really even thought about that before, but it's true. It's I see this mirror of my journey in them. And it's, you know, what we really do is we come into a, an organization and we take the problems that nobody can fix. And then we create a platform for teams to go and work on that stuff. And then we get them to good outcomes, right? Get them to surprise themselves yes. on that. 
And it's that reframing these problems as career adventures. That's really what we're doing here. And I think, as you said, life's too short. Work should be thrilling. It should be a source of energy. I think about work's the theme park and my home is the oasis. That's my two models of this. And uh, so that's why we do what we do. Oh, that's great. No, I love it. Thank you for sharing that, Luke. And I, I appreciate you taking the time to come on our show today and sharing this. The world needs it more than people realize. I think COVID brought this more of this awareness that, you know what, there's a other side of us. There's this mm-hmm. internal side of us that controls our experience here on earth. And wow, I can get help from Luke and make those changes and change that, shift that experience and whatever years I have left, I could make it better. Wow. This is such a beautiful thought. So again, thank you for taking the time on coming on our show. If you have any last or final recommendations, suggestions, or pointers you would like to share with the audience, please go ahead. Yeah. Probably the only one is we, our strategy is to beat the competition by out educating them. And so we have open sourced a ton of our consulting processes and resources and materials. You can find them on our website, which is www.sprintvalley.com. They're free. They don't even require an email sign up, which I know sounds a bit strange, but we figure people will get in touch if it's useful and they get value out of it. And I'd go and check that out. There's some amazing resources for how to build high-performing teams, how to solve complex challenges with a whole bunch of other things out there. If anything I've shared today is sparked interest, then yeah, go fill your boots and, and have a look on the site. That is a great gift to the world, Luke. That is like highly valuable. Like you're just providing all that without taking anything in return. You're like service to others on steroids. People like it. As I said, they'll, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they'll, and they do, they will reach out. We want to make it as easy as possible. We believe in the method. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Luke. And thank you for sharing that. And audience, thank you so much once again for joining us. Get in touch with Luke. Check out his information, the show notes. This is, there's never, maybe we'll do it in a year. Maybe I'll look at something in the future. The best time, my mentor said, the best time is now. Now. If you're seeing this information, is coming to you for a reason. I, I highly believe that. So when you see this, it just takes some little actions to bring yourself around this information, around this knowledge that can help you improve your life, why not? So get in touch with Luke. Appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Thank you so much for being part of the show, helping us grow without you. There's no way we could be growing. Again, thank you, audience. And Luke, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Been great speaking.